Well, markets are seemingly very positive this morning. There's rising hopes that Omicron won't be so bad after all. China's trade data has helped a little with that sentiment too, plus strong industrial production numbers from Germany. But on the downside, is Russia about to invade Ukraine? And is Janet Yellen channeling the inner Donald Trump when it comes to tariffs? We'll look at also any takeouts from yesterday's RBA meeting. It's Wednesday. It's the 8th of December, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a small rise in the US dollar on the DXY index is up another 0.1% on the Japanese yen. The euro is down a third of 1%, the pound down a quarter percent, but the Canadian dollar up 0.8%. The Aussie dollar is up 0.9% this morning, and US equities are at it again. We've got a 3% rise in the NASDAQ. It's now just uh, a little over 2% off that all time high in late November. The SP 500 is up over 2%, 1.4% for the Dow. We've got huge increases in Europe too. The Eurostox 50 is up 3.4%. And oil big rises there as well brent up 3.6 percent almost 76 dollars now wti is up over four dollars and bonds are down so yields are up a little three basis points on uh, u.s 10-year treasuries uh, look we are going to look at the rba meeting yesterday shortly with uh, nab's ivan cahoon first though gavin friend from nab in london this optimism that we're seeing again today gavin it's presumably because the more we hear about this new str- strain the less there seems to be to worry about it at least that's the way the market seem to be taking it doesn't it is that the major driver today would you say yeah morning phil i think so i think that's right um we the the, the description is 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 coming around turnaround tuesday i think for northern hemisphere markets you've got wall street up three percent for the tech heavy nasdaq yields two two-year yields in the u.s you know nudging new cycle highs just below um 0.7 basis points um tens and thirties uh both you know the yield uh, sort of the continuation of the yield bounce we've seen in the last couple of days since the you know yields plunged following Friday's non-farm payroll. So you know the pattern of the kind of curve uh, flattening that we've seen has, has paused. So is it just um, I mean, that it's no, no news is seen as good news? Is that the way? It's because we don't know anything more, really, do we? Well, we're still waiting to see. Well, we've got anecdotal I'd evidence. Ca- that, I'd, that- I'd counter that a bit because the driver, I think, has been the news from Glax- GlaxoSmithKline is the is is the thing that's driving it. Um, you know, it, it's two, two, two announcements. One, that um, it's vaccine that it's been developing with Canada's uh, Medicago Inc. Uh, demonstrated a 71% efficacy against multiple variants of the COVID disease, but not tested on Omicron. Um, so that's one factor. And, you know, while people might say, well, hang on a minute, you know, what's, what's good about that? A separate Glaxo study of its uh, COVID antibody treatment was effective against Omicron. So this is according to the company that conducted a pseudo virus that recreates a sort of a synthesized version of Omicron um, and that the antibody treatment will stand up to all mutations in the spike protein of the Omicron variant. And recall, I mean, it is, it's the spike protein that that, that, that that has caused virologists so much concern. Right. But you've got to get it, you, you, that you've got to get you know, it out there. Yeah, that's going to be behind its greater transmissibility. You've got to get it out there. That's the problem, isn't it? So even if it was good news, it's still, you know, possibly three months away. And if we look at, um, you know, the, the, the news that, well, the symptoms can be mild if you've got the booster jabs. But if you look at the number of boosters per 100 people, uh, you wonder why Germany's not doing so well. It's because they've only got 17 boosters per 100 versus 30 per 100 in the UK. I mean, the UK is really leading the way. <laughs> Australia is uh, just over two per hundred. Uh, came to the party late, of course. So it, it, it may all be good news, but there's still time. The time delay, isn't there, in getting whatever is the answer out there? Yeah, but I think markets were kind of already predisposed to, you know, grabbing hold of any kind of information like this that seems to be positive. 
Um, you know, I mean, we, we might we might say that, um, you know, we're likely to see signs of greater caution from other parts of the scientific community, especially those that, you know, need more time to do more testing and what have you. But it's very, you know, it's 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 very this is a very hard for markets not to latch hold of. Um, uh, and, and, and you know, yeah, and there is the hope that actually, even though it seems to be spreading quite wi- wildly, widely and wildly. So, for example, there was a, a hospital in Malaga; 170 people went to a, a party, 70 of them got COVID, and they're all fully vaccinated, uh, which doesn't sound good. But none of them are showing any symptoms. That seems to be the story hanging time and time. It's circumstantial, but it's you know, it perhaps is a milder, milder variant. Yeah, yeah. To your point, though, I mean, the UK, you know, announced another hundred cases of Omicron today. Um, Delta cases surging in Italy up from what, nine and a half thousand at the weekend to fifteen thousand. So, you know, clearly these things are, are operating, you know, side by side. And um, you know, um, it is it is crucial that more people get vaccinated, as you say, and the booster jabs and the rest of it, and the emerging economies get. Uh, yeah, get, got to be get a focus. To that stage as well. Absolutely. So, but the data has been generally as good as well, hasn't it? Uh, so, uh, China's trade data for November imports are up thirty one point six percent year on year, exports up uh, twenty two, both a little bit higher than anticipated. Uh, and this, of course, comes on top of the measures that have been taken by China that we talked about yesterday, lowering the reserve ratio that the banks have to hold. So, a bit of optimism there, and then you know, not bad data coming out of Europe as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd caution stuff about out uh, of Europe, I and mean, we, you know, the, the, the GDP numbers were the final number um, up two point two percent on the quarter. Nothing particularly new about that. There were some industrial production numbers coming out of Germany, um, which which grew by two point eight percent on the month in October um, after the revised zero point five percent fall in September. So that was above a consensus of zero point eight percent. And led by manufacturing, which I mean, it's you know that that sounds good. We, it probably you know falls in line with what we've seen with the recent sort of pickup in some of the PMI numbers. Uh, you know, as, as as companies adjust to what's going on, and some of the supply chain uh, issues and constraints start to kind of ease from their worst levels. But it's going to be a slow ground out. Europe still faces you know, multiple headwinds from COVID, given, you know, what's going on and the, the, the hard line that lots of European governments are taking on this in terms of, you know, no jab, no job, um, you know, threats to lock down uh, parts of their uh, communities next year, um, uh, more lockdowns and things. And then we've got the European energy crisis that's still going on in terms of there is no relief here. And, you know, driving that, of course, we've had this uh, bilateral between President Biden and President Putin today. Um, I mean, that's obviously centred around, you know, troops amassing around Europe's eastern flank and the Ukraine and whether or not US intelligence is correct that uh, that, that Putin is, is planning, um, you know, an invasion at some point early in the new year. Um, yeah, and how know. is that going to play out for Europe? So there, there we have Biden, because they're on the phone for two hours, and now he's going to, this was very recently, in the last hour or so, and he's going to brief uh, leaders in Europe, but they're looking to impose significant and severe harm on the Russian economy, are the words I read. Uh, how's that going to work out for Europe when they've got this reliance on, on Russian gas? Well, indeed. I mean, what's the quid pro quo? I mean, I think... You know, we're we're all you know we should we should be pleased that dialogue continues um, between these these two nations and that um, 
you know, we should be encouraged by, um, you know, the, the efforts to de-escalate the tensions. You know, so I think there's a way to go on this and we'll, you know, we'll hopefully that the diplomacy wins out. Now, quickly before we go to Ivan, an interesting thing Janet Yellen was saying, uh, she was uh, at an online conference by the FT and uh, talked about protectionism. She said it's possible, given all this supply chain concerns, of course, and looking to the future, it's possible that policies that people would describe as protectionist are going to be necessary in order to create the appropriate incentives to produce things at home, she said. So she's talking tariffs, not for everything she said, but in some cases she says there may be things that where, where this is part of the answer. She is, uh, as I said in the introduction, she is channeling her inner Donald Trump here. He would be proud of her. Yeah, I haven't seen the comments, but I mean, you know, this is part of you know the new order, isn't it, where we, we, we're, we're reshoring um, you know, countries will want to rather rely on globalisation. They'll want to try and, you know, see if they can make the goods that they need uh, closer to home. The problem with that, I mean, it's all f- sounds fine, but, um, you know, globalisation is, is, is much more cost effective. Um, whether it can be done to the extent it was done before uh, the pandemic it l- seems unlikely, probably a mix of the both. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a big cost advantage in, in, in the kind of, you know, supply chain that we had before, you know, the just-in-time supply yeah, chain. it's uh, just not in time. That's the problem, isn't it, <laughs> right now? Uh, look, we'll be back to you in just a second. I want to turn to the RBA meeting, uh, the last one of the year. Uh, we said there wasn't much to report on. I don't think there was really. But let's see what Ivan Cahoon thinks uh, from NAB in Sydney. So uh, were there any surprises in it for you, Ivan? Not really, Phil. I think uh, on the economy, um, there was good news. Obviously, we've seen quarter three GDP wasn't as bad as expected. And we've seen a bounce back in employment and retail sales. The RBA noted yesterday that the labour market is experiencing a strong recovery. That's obviously good news. Uh, And we've seen that in seek job ads and also quite a sizable bounce in business confidence in the NAB business survey. So that's all uh, pretty good news. Yeah, absolutely. But what about the policy then? Were there any hints on uh, on the timing, for example? Well, there there was really no change on the interest rate outlook. The RBA is still saying that it expects only a gradual pickup in inflation and wages and therefore that the board is going to remain patient and wait until it sees stronger inflation prints back in target and also, most importantly, a pickup in wages growth uh, to above 3%. So that's still some way off. Um, There was some developments, I think, or really setting up or framing uh, the decision for Um, an end or certainly a a major reduction in the quantitative easing program at the February board meeting. So the the board and the statement said the board will consider the program at the February board meeting. Um, They used the same three uh, decision points um, that they'll be using. What are other central banks doing? Uh, How's the bond market functioning? And most importantly, what progress are they making on full employment uh, and inflation goals? So those three, uh, obviously, we're expecting that next week the Fed will accelerate its taper. We think there are some challenges in the bond market or functioning isn't perfect with the RBA buying more bonds than the government is issuing at this point in time. So we think it's all set up for uh, an end to the um, quantitative easing program to be announced at the board 
board meeting next February. Right, yeah. But what about interest rates then? Because whatever the RBA is thinking, certainly the the markets have got a very different idea, haven't they? Yes, that's right, uh, Phil. Um, Still, as of yesterday, uh, the market's pricing seven uh, 25 basis point uh, interest rate increases by the RBA by the end of 2023. Remember the last time the RBA voiced um, the suggestion about when they would first increase interest rates, it was still not until 2024. So a very big uh, divide there. I think the answer is basically that the, the market doesn't believe the RBA's forecast for inflation and wages, uh, and consequently they expect the RBA to change those forecasts. And I think that's probably quite reasonable given that the sorts of inflation uh, prints we're seeing around the world, which are much higher, the common pressures of higher oil prices, higher freight rates, um, supply chain disruption. So the market's expecting to see higher inflation. Uh, Obviously, before the February board meeting, we get two labour market uh, prints, so two unemployment numbers. So we'll see how we're going compared to full employment. Uh, we get one more CPI, and we think that will be another quite uh, high core inflation rate, probably 0.7, 0.8. So that will mean over the last two quarters, core inflation annualising, you know, certainly in the top half of the RBA's target band. So that's uh, that will be a, a challenge for the the patient view the board is talking about. But they're still really waiting for wages to pick up. Um, and we don't um, get a wages print until February. Uh, so NAB's still expecting them to cut interest rates, sorry, to raise interest rates uh, from the middle of 2023. Um, they're now going to go on their, um, their summer break. Uh, we will hear, obviously, the minutes and we might get some, some more information about what they're thinking on the wind back of the QE program. And I think there's one more speech by the governor in Wagga. Is that how you say it? Is it? You've got to go up towards the end. Wagga! Uh, <laughs> good to talk, uh, Ivan. Thanks very much, Phil. So, uh, quickly, finishing off, uh, I know Gavin likes to get the last word in, so let's go back to him in London. What's coming up today? We've got uh, GDP final Q3 numbers for Japan. We've got mortgage applications for the US. We've got jolts, job openings for the United States. And early tomorrow morning, we're going to get the interest rate decision from the Bank of Canada. Uh, simple question, will they or won't they? No, I don't think so. I don't think the market's looking for that. I mean, we're expecting them to be uh, markets or teed up for them to be fairly hawkish um, but really um, just you know underpinning their views that um, you know the rate liftoff probably won't start until uh, the first half of next year and mm. probably in the second quarter of that. Oh really? Okay well there we are you got the last word in uh, good to talk thank you very much Thanks. that's it that's the morning call for this Wednesday morning I'm Phil Dobby for NAB back again tomorrow morning bright and early see you then